Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Sex, Psychics and Psychedelics, Discovering Inner Liberation. My name is Banana Jane Garnett. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, a lover of freedom and a relentless explorer of the mind. Please come join me on my journey in hot pursuit of inner illumination and liberation. For more about me, you can find me at the Banana Jane on Instagram. Now let's dive in. Jay Edo, who I call the Santa of psilocybin, is not only a celebrated magic mushroom grower, but an international entrepreneur, a teacher of practical philosophy, and a children's book author. Jay is with us today to share his experience as a grower philanthropist at the heart of the psychedelic revolution. Welcome, Jay. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me, Jay. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, um, can I share the story of how we met? Please do. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I was part of a group of, um, it was kind of an underground group of psychedelic psychotherapists and, and healers in LA. And one of the group members said, you know, there are these wonderful mushrooms just being delivered in mysterious packages to people who are doing healing work with psychedelics. And I was like, what do you mean? And this guy's like, these are the best mushrooms you'll ever have. They're called Be Positive. Just text this guy, tell him what you're up to. And, you know, you might get a magical delivery. And I did. And I was kind of just overwhelmed by the whole thing. You know? Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, that's what I do. I, I suppose Santa Claus is appropriate. Okay, good. I, I'm glad you don't mind me uh, <laughs> calling you that. You know, I've even put up my little, my little sort of uh, mushroom Christmas tree in the background. It's, it's beautiful. Maybe we can start our own holiday. I I think we can. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. Um, how would you, let's start with the be positives because that's, you know, I, I really want to talk about these particular mushrooms that you grow. Um, can you just tell us a bit about them, like describing the effects of these particular mushrooms and also tell us how they got their name? Absolutely. So the way they got their name was, I mean, this, these were just when I was trying to grow mushrooms for the first time, these spores were gifted to me from a friend in Canada. And uh, I believe that's where this strain stems from, Canada. Uh, and I took on this this journey after many years of contemplating the process of and reading about the process of, of growing mushrooms. And the name of it is actually written out as B plus, like with a plus sign. And after we grew them, after some time, we had a ceremony amongst my friends that were growing it. And it came up through me where I didn't even like the name. I'm like, B plus, why are we even, 
why is this even a thing? Like, why, why is it B plus? I didn't, I don't even get it. And then my friend, like without a skip of a beat, he was just like, Oh no, it's not B plus it's B positive, like B positive. Like don't be negative, B positive. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, Oh my God, how did I not see that? It's so obvious. You know, it's like, how did I not see what's so evident? And so B positive was born. I don't know if that's what re- they're referred to on the internet because they're, it's just written out as B plus. Um, but they've, they've been quite uh, powerful in my personal self-development journey and our growing process in our community as, and, and I think just the name of referring to them as B positive empowers the journey even more. Uh, and within themselves, just the, what they provide is just a very calm and soothing and kind, receptive sort of journey, you know, because we grow other strains as well, but some of them are pretty dense, quite heavy. You know, some of these, um, like we grow Mazatepec and another strain called Amazonian. And even the names of these are kind of, they're heavy names, like, what is Mazatepec? It's just so much to it. Uh, but, but, and when you research where they stem from, you know, it just seems like more than just the psilocybin, there seems to be a story attached to where these mushrooms stem from. And so I just feel like at the very least us being able to refer to them as B positive, it kind of puts this positive spin on your entire journey. And and they're quite soft. So you can, you know, I've taken quite a bit of them. I've taken even as much as 10 uh, uh, grams of it. And as dense as it is, it's, it's quite, it's quite, uh, quite the medicine, you know, it's not to diminish the power that they bring, but it doesn't seem to be as overwhelming as these other strains in the sense of like where they come from, where they stemmed from seems to be a happy, more playful place, more like you're being taught by children in that in that sort of playful environment. Oh, I love that. And and I couldn't agree more. I mean, look, they come from Canada and we all know how lovely Canadians are, right? So we've got that sort of like <laughs> nice, you know, safe sense of origin. But uh, I, I haven't tried them in high doses, but certainly in the lower doses, I found them to be very light, very safe feeling, very positive very social, um, which is interesting because I feel like with some mushrooms, I'll go much more kind of into an interior meditation and I felt like these were more of a, a social meditation. They feel like they would be a natural candidate for, for microdosing. And uh, yeah, very curious about the, the higher doses too. Um, so let's go back to the, the light club and how I how I encountered you. So why were you gifting these packages to the psychedelic healers? Was it just in LA or was it, uh, or like, how did you find these healers? How, you know, what was going on? Uh, well, one of the persons that introduced me to you also mm-hmm. introduced me to another network of people. And it's kind of expanded from there. You know, I have a, a network within myself where the word has just spread. And the reason I give mushrooms to people it's something i did even before i grew them i would just i find it to be a good gift in general uh, as far as a unique gift to give to people and it's essentially how i make friends 
you know, Jane, it's like a, a good way I feel to kind of break the ice, tell people where I'm coming from in, in my life and my journey and what I'm here to, to talk about. And it, and it surely breaks the ice. And, and if I feel so inclined, this is something that I feel comfortable gifting to people who mean something to me and whom I want to give a gift to. It's a very generous way to make friends and it, it certainly worked for me. I was, I, you know, I was like, Jay, he's the best. I got you, <laughs> I got you Jay. You and I haven't even <laughs> met in person. I'm like, you know, you're one of my people. I'm, I'm so thrilled, you know. So such a lovely story and, and I'm always you know, charmed by, by stories that, um, you know, are about people helping each other where money isn't involved. And I was interested in that, that, you know, you've got, I know you've got a big lab and you've got a big operation and it seems like money isn't particularly involved. I mean, I imagine you have growing costs, but you're not, you're not receiving money for your product. Sure. I mean, one thing that's important to me is to divulge what money even means to me. And so to understand that process is more of an understanding as to what we mean when we're talking about money. You know, some money is something that's important to all of us. We all want it. Yet from my investigations, it seems to be that as much as we want it, we don't even really know what it is. And so we get sort of lost into thinking that it's dollars or euros, or pesos, or whatever the case may be. Uh, but to me, it doesn't, it doesn't mean those things at all. Legally speaking, when we're talking about dollars, that's currency. And currency stems from the word current. You know, like the English language is a beautiful language because it stems from root words. They're easy to describe because of that. So currency is like a current, like an electrical current or a water current, meaning it's a good exchange of energy, but it's not the energy within itself. The energy that I suspect money to be is really us. Like you and I are the money. Like the thing that we're searching for the most, it's, it's really us. And the way I've come to that conclusion is because it's very obvious to me that the, when we're trying to talk about money, we're we're trying to we're trying to say value but we use the word money just because it's it's in our societal sort of expressions and so the only reason dollars or anything else has any value at all is because you and I give it value we want it and that's what gives it value and so the idea that currency, dollars or euros, has any value at all is because we're all sort of buying into this idea that it's valuable. But within itself, if, if it was, if it was the, the zombie apocalypse, it wouldn't have any value at all. We would want the normal things. We would want water and food and shelter. Like These are the things that are actually valuable for our survival. But once we get past the survival phase and we're looking to thrive, then Currency doesn't really have much value at all. It's really what we give our attention to. And that's where the real currency is. The real currency is what we pay attention to. That's why it's called pay attention. It's like, that's, what, that's where the money's at. Whatever we pay attention to, that's what we're giving 
our value to. And mm-hmm. so if you really understand what value is, then you would value the things that we usually tend to take for granted. You know, we, we tend to take the things that are in abundance for granted. We take to take, we tend to take our friends for granted, ourselves for granted. We usually sell ourselves short. We don't give ourselves enough credit. You know, all of these words that I'm just, that I'm saying sort of, we're, we're trying to say valuable things, but we're, we're kind of missing the mark in a sense. And so once we understand what money is, which is ourselves, and that whatever we pay attention to is where the money's at, well, then we, we have money all day. Money, 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 as much as you want. So I love what you just said, Jay. I couldn't agree more. We are the money. And it feels like this is a very um, clear message that we're getting from psychedelics in general that, you know, the answers are not to be found outside of ourselves. So, um, yes, it's, it's all about the fact that we get to exist and we get to be creative beings. And, um, and it's not about being in our egos, but it is about being in what I call the me, you know, it's going from the I, which is sort of the anxious position of, what should I be achieving and attaining and landing in the outside world or earning in the outside world to the, the joy of just being me, just being, getting to be ourselves, getting to play the game of, of life and, and create. So I feel like certainly mushrooms have, have helped me with that. And they're very playful. Like you said earlier, sometimes it feels like being taught by children, but you know, in a way that's both really fun and powerful in its, in simplicity. So, um, so getting back to your story, I'd like to just have a brief backstory on how you came to loving mushrooms and being given a lab. Sure. Uh, in my journey of self-discovery, you know, at some point I came to the point where I was suffering from a lot of pain and anxiety and depression, and I wasn't really good at anything or had um, any sort of real aspirations or any sort of direction in life as far as a career is concerned. And so... How old were you? When I, when, what, what age are we talking about? I'm talking about like 25 years old, like 13 years ago or so. And so I went on this journey of self-healing because I was literally in physical pain. And what I was doing for work at that time wasn't helping. I was working in construction. And so, you know, I essentially started introducing myself into float tanks uh, for meditation and started experimenting with this sort of thing. And once I got comfortable in these float tanks or sensory deprivation tanks, I introduced mushrooms at one point and went into higher and higher doses. And because I was in such a pain driven place, you know, I wasn't really afraid to take high doses. And so I took kind of scary amounts of doses to the point where I was really actually scared. Like I was, you know, it gets to the point where once it starts to kick in, I'm like, 
I think I went too far with this. You know, like you start to question, <laughs> you know, and once I started to question that, then I started to see what other choices I've made that I've sort of regretted. Like what else did I go too far with? And it's essentially within myself, these ideas that I've kind of gone too far with getting comfortable in my life and seeking these sorts of comforts and taking these scary amounts of mushrooms made me realize that it wasn't really in my best interest to be so comfortable all the time and to put myself in a situation where I'm literally scared to lose my life. It made me understand the things that I value the most. And so it, it pinpointed these things in my life, such as the relationships with my parents, the relationships with my siblings, the relationship with my friends. And so I started to sort of, you know, in the midst of crying because I thought I was going to die and understanding the the pain and kind of focusing on the, on the pain where everything stemmed from, you know, I started to sort of see the magic within this, this journey. And more and more, I started experimenting after that. You know, I, I took a chance and went into the jungle and did ayahuasca. And fast forward, I, you know, I volunteered in the jungle for several months and I did ayahuasca many times. And I went on this journey of self-healing. And eventually I did learn how to heal. I I did heal myself. I, I figured it out. I was so devoted to the process of healing that I actually got what I wanted. And because... I got to the point where I was no longer focused on healing because I had healed at least my physical body, you know, coming from the point where I realized that that physical pain that I was suffering from, it wasn't really that physical. I was feeling it physically, but it was actually an emotional pain that I was struggling with understanding the relationships that I had sort of evolved and gotten comfortable with and taken for granted in my, in, in my upbringing. I'm getting and confused so, about, I'm sorry, I'm going to just stop you for a second sure. because um, I'm hearing that there's this kind of theme of physical pain um, that was trying to get your attention and, you know, teach you something that had, had emotion trapped in it. And then there's this other theme of you were too comfortable. Can you help me understand that? Sure. So, I was too comfortable in the sense of, you know, sort of laziness of not doing my best and sort of giving like just enough to get by, you know, like in school, you just do enough to get by just enough to get a passing grade, just enough to, you know, just, just enough to not to get fired, you know, like, and so you get comfortable in just doing just enough to get, to get by. And so there's a, a sort of comfort in that because I can do just enough to get by, but because of momentum, doing just enough to get by sort of makes me lazy. Like I don't give my best. And so when I'm not doing my best, it that's where the pain stems from. And it started manifesting in physical pain. You know, like I was walking lazy and doing things in a lazy manner where it manifested into my body sort of physically hurting. Does that make sense? 
Uh, yeah, it does actually. And it, it's reminding me, I do feel like these are exactly the kinds of things that are revealed on plant medicine. Um, it's reminding me of being on ayahuasca at, at one point and being shown this pattern in my body where I wasn't fully standing up straight. Mm-hmm. And I was shown, you know, the me that wasn't standing up straight. And I was shown the me that should be standing up straight. And it was, you know, really kind of like simple things. Like when you walk to pick up your children, you know, and it was it was a small adjustment, but they was just showing me just like, hold your head a little bit higher, straighten your back, you know, stand tall, be in your truth. But, you know, I mean, it has, it's a, it's a small adjustment that has huge kind of implications, right? Because it's how you're showing up in the world. And I think we just, you know, blind spots are always appearing in the human experience. I mean, it's part of the human experience. We cannot see uh, everything all the time, especially when it comes to ourselves, right? So there are always going to be blind spots. Um, But I think when it comes to the body and old patterns of pain and the stories that we carry about ourselves, it's very hard to see these things without some significant help. Now that might be from another person or it might be from a psychedelic or it might be from, you know, some completely new experience, but, but we have to do something to shake up our patterns. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. So all this entire journey of self-healing led to me making a new friend who literally pointed this out to me. He he said, you can change the way you walk. Like there's this way of walking called gait where you're essentially walking from your core. And so you're, you're essentially kind of clenching your butt and walking like, like harder from your core. Instead of being like out in the limbs, you're walking close and tight. And literally not too long after I adapted this is when I really noticed. I mean, of course I was doing yoga and doing other things that, you know, I was adapting to strengthen my core, but really it stemmed from that. And so I, that's when I realized like, oh, I've just been walking lazy and it's been sort of to my detriment. Well, but now I can adapt a new way of walking and it's really taking a, a big impact on me where I can notice it. It's so funny to me that, um, that I think the perception of psychedelics from people who haven't really taken them is so different than the, the actual experience. Like, you know, there's this sort of... Um, idea that psychedelics take you to these crazy places and you have these far out experiences and you do sure um non-ordinary states of consciousness but it feels like all the findings are the most simple things you can imagine be true to yourself stand up straight be a good person you know it's just like it's so funny to me it's practical it's practical (laughs) magic that's exactly what it is is exactly what i mean i think if you're lucky enough to have basic sanity. I mean, one of the big parts of my journey with psychedelics was sort of pushing it and pushing it until, I mean, in a way, my, you know, similar to you, you know, pushing the higher doses, I was trying this and trying that and, you know, doing it with these people, these people, or, you know, I was, uh, in retrospect, it feels a little reckless, but what I was looking for really was to see that I was sane or insane. And I remember one journey, I kind of actually saw the structure of my sanity and I was like, oh, 
I've got basic sanity and you know what, that's a real gift. Um, I don't think, you know, it's like some people have strong bones, you know, some people have that basic sanity wired in them and for other people, it's a little bit more tricky. So, um, you know, everyone has their different ways to heal and grow. And I'm not saying my path is for, for everyone. Um, it's, it's easier to go on wild journeys if you've got, you know, a home base to come back to. Sometimes you don't know if you've got that home base until you try. <laughs> so therein lies the rub. But um, to get out of these kind of more lofty ideas and back into the, the practical magic, I'd love to hear a bit more about the actual process of growing mushrooms. Uh, can you describe in a few simple steps how these wonderful things come into being? Sure. Uh, so the process is actually quite simple. I, I didn't make anything up. I got everything from online and books. A book that I would recommend is uh, Paul Stamets' book, um, Growing Gourmet Medicinal Mushrooms. I believe that's what the title is. And Paul Stamets is sort of known in this in this uh, space to be leading the way in understanding uh, mushrooms, not only medicinal but just in general the magic of mushrooms of how essentially we are made of this fungus the earth is made of it it essentially everything that we see stems from this process of fungi and so that's a great resource that i would recommend and the process is quite simple you know we we you know uh i grow a lot of mushrooms but the the space isn't very large. It doesn't require much space at all. Uh, but it starts with like a bag, a gallon bag. You put these bird seed or um, some sort of grain into this bag. Uh, this bag, you put it into a pressure cooker for sanitation. So the entire process requires extreme sanitation. The more sanitary you can be, the better. It's actually quite covid friendly so you can spray things down with alcohol torch the needles that you use uh you keep the environment clean you wear you know a a lab coat or suit you wear you're wearing gloves the entire time you're spraying yourself down with alcohol the entire time you keep things as hygienic as possible because at some point you're going to possibly come into some uh corruption and so you want to be as cleanly as possible to avoid that corruption Uh, or to minimize it as much as possible. Uh, Once you have this this bag with with grain and it's sanitized, you inject the bag with the spores. The spores is something that you can get online. I got it from a friend originally, and then the other other, uh, strains that I've gotten, I've just purchased from various questionable websites on the internet. And you... (laughs) Are they, wait, wait, are the, well, I'm just trying to imagine what spores look like. I remember learning about them in in science. They always seem to be this mysterious, invisible thing. So you said you inject with spores. Is it a liquid or? Yeah, well, it's, it's in a solution. So, so the spore is just, I mean, it's sort of like a dark semen looking thing. And in the solution, it just looks 
it looks like that. It looks like a kind of what semen would look like, but you know, so you can kind of see you're injecting and you can use the other word of impregnating this bag <laughs> with the okay, spores. Okay, I like it. I'm getting kind of excited by this process. It's yeah, well, good. essentially the spores are the seed, right? It's it just like, you know, this is why everything is connected, right? Everything is just a story of what, of of uh, of the human development and human creation. And this really paints a nice picture. When you go through this process of growing mushrooms, you can really see what we're doing as a human race because the mushrooms are doing exactly the same thing and you're kind of doing it as like the scientist you know you're like in the lab in impregnating this bag and with with dna right and the dna is is with is is has a story to it that's what dna is it's a written out story made up of ones and zeros it's a program it's nothing personal right it's just it just is what it is and so you you impregnate this bag with the spores you put this bag in a clean hygienic temperature controlled environment and a week or so later you start to see the mycelium take over and the mycelium when it takes over the bag completely you can see it's a white very clear that it's it's ready and then you take that and you mix it in with substrate the substrate is made up of soil and uh, eggshells and, you know, the sort of the substrate that you've made up of a good home for the seed to take root. And then you place that in another growing tent, still very hygienic, the entire process. And at some point, maybe 10 days later, the mycelium starts to take over the entire bin. And so many of these instructions you find online, they want you to do like a little jar. And yeah, the jar will be much faster, but it's it only do a little bit. And I want to do a lot. You know, so I use an entire large bin. Uh, so the mycelium takes over the bin. It's very clear. And, you know, maybe a week, week and a half after that, mushrooms start to grow. And so... Um, during the process of mixing the my, the mycelium with the substrate, this is where the thing that I do is what I consider special is the water that I use. The water that I use is something I put a lot of thought into using um, sort of the scientific findings of a guy named Dr. Emoto, where he does these scientific experiments studying water, freezing water, and seeing the shape that water takes. And so he does these experiments. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but he does these experiments where um, he puts jars and, with water and rice in them. And on one jar, he would write the words, I love you. And the other one, he writes, I hate you. And he puts these jars in separate rooms. And every day he walks into these rooms and he tells the jar, I love you. And he tells the other jar, I hate you. And over a period of weeks, the jar that says I hate you starts to grow sort of this ugly, dirty, cancerous looking growth growing in the water. And the jar that says I love you starts to ferment sort of like a like a beautiful wine and it has like a pleasant scent. So using this sort of thinking, you know, I produce the highest quality water I can using reverse osmosis. I put um, and I run it through a remineralizer. That I run through uh, another system for uh, 
the name escapes me at the moment. Maybe I'll remember in a little bit. But I put this water in these large glass five-gallon jugs. And then I created a space that I call the holy space or a holy room. And I play music in this in this room, um, kind of like a nice meditative, loving music. And I play it for the water. Uh, and then I use this water that I mix with the substrate and the mycelium. And so I set this sort of like an environment for these mushrooms to grow into, the best environment that I can imagine. And in my imagination, these mushrooms are happy to come into this environment. They come in with like a purpose. And so, you know, I pick the mushrooms at the right moment. Uh, the right moment for me is, you know, right before they bloom, like they're they're quite they're not quite ready to blow up. They just right before you can sort of see this, um, this they're right when they're about to bloom right before that, I feel like they're the most, uh, rich in psilocybin. And so you pick them. So it, it's quite the process because it goes quite fast. You can miss it. You can miss it if you, if you take your eye off of it. And so, you know, I have cameras in this environment. And so I'm, I'm t- I'm keeping an eye on it. Um, and so, and then you dry them, you dry the mushrooms and you give them to people as gifts. <laughs> uh, right. And then you're just psilocybin Santa. I, I, yeah, I'd like to come and do some picking with you. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful process. And I, I love this. Uh, I love you water. It made me think, you know, people talk about we should put LSD in the water to change the world. Maybe we just need to put I love you in the water. We need to kind of get down in there, into the pipes and, and spread some I love yous around. Um, it's really beautiful. And I think it, it your process is really sort of uh, reflects in the, in the product itself. So, um, you know, keep doing what you're doing. It, it really does work. A practical question I don't know the answer to, and a lot of people ask me this as well, how long do dried mushrooms last, retain their potency? You know that's a that's a really good question. I've I've gotten I've gotten it often. Mm. I personally feel that I've I've used mushrooms uh, as long as a year, year and a half after, and I feel they're just as potent. I feel that perhaps the best way of keeping them as potent as possible, as long as possible, would be in a vacuum sealed bag in a temperature controlled environment. Mm. Not the fridge. I don't. You know, I don't have any actual evidence to support um, even what I just said as far as the vacuum seal and a temperature controlled, um, but just a feeling that I have as far as my personal experience and how I feel most comfortable comfortable keeping them uh, would be, I don't know about the fridge. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Seems a little eh, sterile. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I guess we all have to figure that out for ourselves. Um, okay, so so then sort of zooming out, right? Mushrooms are spreading into the mainstream at warped speed, you know. I mean, I know I live in California and I know I'm, you know, part of this psychedelic revolution, but still, you know, everyone I talk to is talking about mushrooms, trying mushrooms for the first time, microdosing, whatever. So 
you know, there's definitely a kind of an exponential threat spread. And then we've also got, you know, all the progress happening in terms of legalization. But what's going on? What's going are they are they here to teach us something? Do they have a mission? What's happening? That's a good question. In my imagination, I feel they're here for a purpose just because of the the influence they've had on me. I feel that anything that we consume is teaching us. If you eat 14 Snickers bars in a day, that's going to teach you something about yourself. <laughs> and so if you eat, you know, 10 grams, 7 grams, 1 gram of mushrooms, it's going to teach you something. And I feel they have a purpose. They're here to teach you the best of yourself, in my opinion. Uh, they're here to show you where you come from, what you stem from, what you're made of. They're here to make you aware of the things you tend to take for granted. And because it pinpoints the things, you know, because only you know the things that bother you about yourself. And when you're questioning your reality, when you're questioning your life, meaning like you're, you're pushed to the extreme discomfort of thinking that you can even die, it makes you question your choices that you've made and it makes you see the things about yourself that maybe you've not been paying attention to. And so you begin to value the things more that you've been avoiding and it brings it to light. And so you can see where you, where you, where you're coming from, what you're made of, where you're going with your reasoning in life. And so I feel that they are here to teach you something. They're here to teach you the best parts about yourself as uncomfortable as acknowledging those things may be. I agree with you. It feels like they bring in just enough extra love that you can look at the parts of yourselves that you don't like looking at normally, you know, with that extra compassion and maybe that extra bit of humor, that extra bit of perspective, you know. So I feel like they bring in a kind of, internal spaciousness which which seems very welcome in this moment where we're so overloaded with all sorts of information and extreme self-consciousness as well so I think they they help that process of of self-consciousness which can be very tough at times um so Jay this has been so good thank you so much my pleasure Jane thanks for having oh, me it's so been, good it's so been a good. lot of fun <laughs> always and uh I just I want to come and see you in person sometime want to come to that lab I'm just so so curious and um I know that you do many things uh, including writing children's books and I want you to just share with the listener how can we find you how can we find out more about you oh and note to the listener despite this man's extreme generosity please do not hit him up for free mushrooms <laughs> his hands are full okay all right yeah, over thanks, to you thanks for sharing that jane uh yeah i mean i write children's books because i find the simplicity in telling stories is the most efficient way of getting what we want out of life our ability to communicate is really the magic that we have within ourselves and the same way that mushrooms teach us about ourselves we have this ability to surround ourselves with a world that 
we really want for ourselves. And our best way of getting what we want out of life is to be able to communicate that with uh, accuracy and clarity. And so I write children's books for that purpose. Uh, I write children's books. They're actually Bible stories with a conscious twist. There's something uh, that mean a lot to me. It's a perspective that sort of sheds light on these stories for what they are which to me, they're just stories, stories that we've picked up throughout history and ran off with them. And the, the truth of our reality is relative to our perspective. English has this beautiful aspect to it where it has root words, where, it's root, where words stem from. History, if you break it down, it's like his story. Well, whose story is it? It's not your story. And so I'd like to focus on our story, you know, on, on a, a, a story of triumph, where we're able to create a story for ourselves where we are empowered and we take initiative and we are noble. We stand up and fight for what we believe in. We take responsibility for our actions. We apologize when necessary. And then we move forward with a purpose, a purpose that drives us to be better and greater. And we lead by example, rather than telling people what to do, we show what we're made of. Beautiful. And where do we find you? ConsciousBibleStories.com. You can find me on Instagram, Conscious Bible Stories. Uh, we're on Amazon, Conscious Bible Stories, Barnes & Noble. Anywhere you can find a book, you can find these stories. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your beautiful perspective and all of your information. It's been wonderful talking to you today, Jay. It's been a real pleasure, Jane. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs>